Any good habit we develop in our life involves a struggle, but we do it because there's something good waiting for us at the end. More on becoming fully devoted to God coming up. God says, stop babbling. I don't want to hear your babbling. Talk to me. God loves to see people that are passionately expressing their heart to them. You don't need to learn a prayer. You need to pray. Welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job, President of Moody Bible Institute and Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. God seeks authentic, sold out, all in, passionate followers. Today we continue with part two of The Power Habits, disciplines that when implemented and practiced, create a fully devoted heart for God. It's our prayer that you are moving in that direction. This is a powerful series. And if you'd like to listen again or hear any past message, you can do so at boldstepsradio.org. Or perhaps there's someone you know who would be blessed by the teaching. You can easily share Bold Steps with them when you go to boldstepsradio.org. Right now, continuing in Matthew chapter 6, here is Mark Job with today's Bold Steps. Some of you here get up and go to the gym at 6 in the morning. You get on that Stairmaster. You hate that Stairmaster. There's a reward at the end. And it is so with our spiritual disciplines. We fast, we pray, we give, not because it's easy, but because we know at the end the favor of God or the reward of God is coming in our direction. And so this passage says don't lose the reward because it tells us that if you're not careful, You could lose the reward of giving. If you're not careful, you could lose the reward of praying or you could lose the reward of giving. Notice what he says in verse 2. He says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. And he goes on to say, but when you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In essence, what he's saying is that if you give simply so that others will think you're spiritual, then you received your reward. But if you give driven out of God opportunities because you feel like God is calling you to give and you want the favor of God, then you will receive your reward. It's like the guy that's walking down the street and sees a homeless person, and he pauses for a second. The homeless person asks for something. He looks around. He noticed several people are, are there, and so he says, okay. <clears throat> people look around. He pulls out his wallet, flips through his bills a little bit, Someone's watching him, so he goes through, pulls out. He was going to give a one, then he pulls out a five because someone's watching. He crumbles, makes sure she sees it over there. He says, here you go, sir. This is what you deserve. This is what you deserve, and gives it to him. And after he gives him, he says, how about a selfie? Boom, we got a selfie together. Hey, I just helped the homeless person puts on Instagram. And Jesus says, if you do it to be seen by others, guess what? You already received your reward. Because you're not giving really out of a heart of generosity that says, God, I'm compelled to give. 
I give because you're calling me to give, to be generous because I know that in my releasing there will be an increase spiritual. You're giving so that people will think you're generous. And God says, don't give so that people can see what you give. Give so that I know what you're giving and I will reward you exponentially rewards you in what you do. Let me ask you the question. When's the last time you really gave sacrificially and didn't tell anybody about it? Seriously. Or how about it? The last time that you gave to your cousin that was in need and you said, okay, I'm going to give you $300, but, you know, and then you brought it up about 10 times since then. And told the other cousin and the other cousin and the uncle and the aunt and the other. And so everybody knows you gave. And you kind of bring it up subtly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I gave $300 to cousin Jake the other. Yeah, yeah. you told me that already. Oh, yeah, I probably already told you that. You got your reward. The heart of generosity gives out of something that's, that God is driving you to give. You give because you know that God has given so much to you that you want to give back. You don't give so that people will think you're generous because if you do it to be seen by men, this is what Jesus says. You've lost your reward from God. You've gained your reward from men. So your reward is that people will think you're generous, but God has is, God is erased the reward that's going to come to you from heaven. Let me tell you, you want God's reward much more than you want men's reward. And he says, and when you pray, it's the same thing. If you're praying to be seen by others, do not be like the hypocrites, it says in verse 5. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father already knows what you need before you ask them. You know what he's saying? If you pray, don't pray just when you're in public, long, flowery prayers to be heard or seen by others. When you pray, if you really want God to listen to your prayers, you really want to impress the heart of God, pray in private. Go to your closet. Literally, I mean the storage room. Go to your basement. Spend some time in the presence of God in your basement where no one can see you. It's just you and God. And you call out. You pray. Lord, touch my prodigal son or daughter. God, work on my heart. God, move in my marriage. God, may my heart be on fire for you. Lord, I pray for and pray in private and when you pray in private, the Bible says that your heavenly Father will see that and he will reward you. And by the way, he says that when you're praying, don't babble. You know, some of you are taught to babble when you pray. He says don't babble like the pagans. Pagans are people that, you know, follow false gods. Don't babble like the pagans because just because you say a lot of words doesn't mean you're really praying. I, I mentioned that before. Some of you were actually, some of you came from traditions, and I don't want to offend anybody, but some of you came from traditions where you were taught to babble when you pray. Because I've asked some people, so you pray? Oh, yeah, I pray. 
and you were given instruments to count your prayers. And you, you say, yeah, 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 I prayed the Our Father 25 times. I've seen how you do it. One. Our Father, will be their name of the kingdom come, their will be done. He gives us the day of our Lord. Two. Our Father, will be their name come, the kingdom come, the Three. You know what that's called? Babylon. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just nod your head at me like I know what I'm talking about. How many of you, how many of you used to do that? You don't have to raise your hand. Just kind of nod at me like I know, I know what you're talking about. You know, that's babbling. You're not praying. You're reciting a prayer, and it makes no sense to God. It's like me coming home to my wife and saying, Honey, I want to tell you something. Roses are red. Violets are blue. No one's as pretty as you. And she would say, Oh, that's nice. And I said, No, 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 wait. Roses are red. Violets are blue. And no one's as pretty as you. Two. No, no, okay, I got it. No, no, roses are red, violets are blue, and no one's as pretty as you. Three, roses are red, violets are blue. She'd say, get out of here. I heard it. Stop just repeating something to me. Talk to me. And some of you repeat a prayer to God as though repeating a prayer to God somehow impresses God, and God says, stop babbling. I don't want to hear your babbling. Pray. Talk to me. Converse with me. Share your heart with me. Be passionate about it. Know what you're saying. Get involved in it. I'm your Father God. God loves to see people that are passionately expressing their heart to them, that are praying in Jesus' name, that are in faith, are talking to God. You don't need to learn a prayer. You need to pray. You say, well, Pastor, why is the Lord's Prayer in the Bible? Because Jesus says, pray after this manner. He didn't say, pray this prayer. He said, pray after this pattern. The pattern is worship, thy kingdom come, our personal finances, don't fall into temptation, let us forgive other people, and you deserve all the glory. That's the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. Some of you need to learn how to pray. We can't be a church that has power. You can't be a person that has spiritual influence and power unless you learn the power of prayer. You're listening to Bold Steps with Mark Job. I hope you'll go to boldstepsradio.org for more. And if you enjoy listening to podcasts during your workout, your lunch break, or any other time of day, be sure to add the Bold Steps podcast to your lineup. Once you subscribe, you'll receive all of these daily teachings from Mark automatically to your phone or mobile device, making it easy to catch up on anything you might miss on the radio. Just open up your podcast app, search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job, and then click subscribe. Then one more podcast you'll definitely want to get is the Bold Steps Minute. This convenient 60-second feature from Mark will offer you both encouragement and biblical insight to listen to first thing in the morning or at any minute of the day. Just search for Bold Steps Minute on your podcast app and subscribe for these helpful daily features. Or visit boldstepsminute.org. All right, back to the message now. Here's Mark Job as we conclude this message. And then in verse 16... He talks about fasting. He says, and when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, you have received your reward in full. But when you fast, 
put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it is not obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So he's talking about people that come to church. Maybe you're not in a fast. It's not a corporate fast, so no one knows. And you come to church, and you get up, and you say, I'm not going to comb my hair. I do that all the time. I'm not going to comb my hair. But some of you that have more hair, your ladies, I'm not going to comb my hair. I'm fasting. I'm not going to put up makeup on. Boy, you look really different without it. I'm not going to put makeup on. I'm going to get all the, my dirty clothes that I use to clean the house in, and I'm going to show up in church. And you show up in church, and, and someone says, are you okay? <sighs> yeah. Are you sick? <sighs> no. Are you sure something's not wrong with you? Well, if you insist, I'm, I'm fasting. <laughs> you just lost your reward because you were just dying for someone to ask you so you could tell them you're fasting so they would think, oh, you're really spiritual. You're fasting. And Jesus says, if you do it for people, you've lost your reward. But instead, put on your best clothes. Comb your hair like you normally do. Put on that makeup like you do. Tweeze your eyebrows again. Put on those high heels. Go to work and look good when you're fasting. That's what he's basically saying. People shouldn't be able to see that you're fasting because you're not doing it for people's acclaim. You're doing it so that your Father in heaven could see that you are actually giving up food for the purpose of pressing in to follow God, not out of, can I just say this about fasting? I know some of you have never fasted before. Some of you are new to this. Some of you, it's, it's a new discipline. But let me tell you, you don't fast for God to take away your sins. That's heresy. Your sins were paid for in full at the cross of Jesus. 100%, 100%, 100%. There's nothing that you can add or take away from that. You can't work to get your sins taken away. The full price was paid by the spotless Lamb of God, all God, all man on that cross. If you try to work for your salvation, if you try to add to your salvation, you are insulting the God that has forgiven you. The only way that you can receive forgiveness is by repenting and believing and humbling yourself and receiving this mighty gift of God as you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. If you add, if you do penance, if you whip your back, if you go on your knees, if you abstain from food, if you do pilgrimages somehow to take away your sin, you are insulting, insulting the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Paid in full. By grace, through faith, nothing of your own. Some of you need to understand that. So when we fast, we don't fast to take sins away, or to purify our life. When we fast, we fast to acknowledge that we need God more than we need food. We fast so that our physical hunger reminds us of our spiritual desire and appetite for God. We fast so that we can press in and pray. When I fast, I always know I'm fasting because my body reminds me. 
I get up in the morning and I think, wow, I'm hungry. And then I remember I'm fasting. Yeah, I need to press in and seek God. Lunchtime comes and I smell Paco's tacos and I smell carne asada, tacos al pastor. That's my favorite, tacos al pastor. Of course, I'm a pastor. Tacos al pastor. <laughs> and you know, there's something about my stomach that says, go in. But I have to tell myself, no, I'm fasting. And why am I fasting? I'm fasting so I can seek God. And so it reminds me to press in and seek the heart of God. That's what your fasting is for. The first time I fasted, when I, when I was about 16 years old, and I'd heard about it. I'd never really done it, so I took a tent. I was going to fast for three days. Took a tent, went out to the hills with my Bible and my tent, and spent two days there. I felt like I was dying of hunger, and I was alone in the mountains, and I just, I, I it was hard. I ran back home, and I ate so much. I can't believe it. I think I got sick. I ate so much. It was hard. But over the years, I've learned something about fasting. What our body tends, your body tends to tell you that it dominates. Carnal people are driven by the desires of the flesh. The body says, have sex, and they have sex. They don't care if they're married, unmarried, who it is, what they look like. Party, you get a little drunk, I'm having sex. Your body's dominating. Your body says, eat. You overeat, overstuff, eat what's not healthy because your body says you're hungry. Appetite's the flesh. Your body says, sleep. You oversleep, sleep way, lazing around. And sometimes our body dominates us. You're a slave to the desires of your flesh, the mastery of your body. But there's something about getting up and saying, no, I'm not a slave to my body. I'm a slave to my spirit. Jesus, his spirit rules in me. So body, get in line. No, no body. I'm telling you today you're not eating because I'm seeking God. No body. I'm telling you today we're getting up early because I'm getting into my Bible and praying. No body. I'm telling you today I'm getting out of bed because I want to be in the house of God worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords because my spirit rules over my body. My body doesn't tell my being what to do. My spirit tells my body to get in line. That's what it means to be spirit-led as opposed to fleshly-led. And some of you are making the transition from being led by the spirit because you've lived years dominated by the flesh. You barely, know how, you barely can say no to your body because your body has dominated you for so long. But God says, no, I've put my spirit inside of your body and you are ruled by the spirit instead of by the flesh. The last thing, the last point, is not only God expects, God sees, God rewards. Seven times the word reward is used. Verse 4, then your heavenly Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's about giving. Verse 6, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's about prayer. Verse 14, so then, it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but your Father who is in heaven is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's about fasting. Think about God says, I'm wanting to reward your giving, 
your fasting, your praying. I'm guaranteeing you, God is saying, that I will reward you, but I want you to do it for me. I want it to be driven out of your love for me, God says, out of your heart's desire to please me, out of your hunger for me, and then I will reward you. And this reward, by the way, splashes into every area of our life. Hebrews 11 says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him, to please God. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You have to believe that God exists. This, is, this intangible being in the universe that you cannot see or touch or grab onto, this spirit God who created the heavens and the earth, who transforms you yet you cannot see him, who speaks to you yet you have never heard an audible voice. You must believe that he is. And not only that he is, but that he rewards those that diligently seek him. That's what Hebrews says. Believe that he is and that he rewards. There's something powerful about faith that God says, I will honor faith. That drives us to give, it drives us to pray, and it drives us to fast. That's Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps, wrapping up the message entitled The Power Habits. Next time, the first of two parts to the message, It's Not Over Yet, the conclusion to our series. Mark, I want to share an email that came in recently, and I want to read this to you. It should be an encouragement. Susan in Colorado Springs writes to us, I'm giving an offering to Moody Radio Bold Steps because I'm so happy to hear Mark Job teach the truth in depth in a way that reveals the heart of God. She says, simply amazing. Thank you. Susan, thank you so much. That's encouraging. By the way, I've been to Colorado Springs. Beautiful place. Sure is. And you know, that's part of our goal here at Bold Steps. We want to take the truth, the Word of God. And by the way, can I say, as, as I preach the Word of God, I'm not just preaching to people that need to listen. I am preaching to myself. Mm. God is doing a work in me. I'm convicted as I study. I have to repent. I have to get on my face and say, Lord, am I living this out? Mm -hmm. And so I love the fact that I get to go through it before I actually share it out. But that's our goal is we don't want to just fill your head with um, knowledge about the truth. We want you to have the practical challenge to apply the truth in your day-to-day living. Oh, that's such a good word, Mark. Thank you for that vulnerability. Uh, maybe you're like Susan, and you can also say that Bold Steps has blessed your life. Would you consider helping support this ministry? Because your prayers and financial gifts keep us on the air and online. So I hope you will consider becoming a Bold Partner and give a monthly gift. But even if you give a single gift to Bold Steps, we have a resource called Love Over Fear that we want to send to you. Mark, it's a book. It's our Bold Step gift. Yeah, and I think this is a message that is so needed today. It's written by Dan White, who's a church planter, been involved in reaching unchurched people. But the book is titled Love Over Fear. I know that you understand that we live in a very polarized society. And I believe there's a lot of Christians that get caught up in this polarization 
and the anger that we have and how do you cross the divide? How do you minister to people that politically are very, very on opposite sides than where you stand? Mm -hmm. I think that Dan has a good insight in what it means to have love over fear. Well, Mark, let's listen to the author, Dan White, talk about love over fear. Fear is what makes us do things. Fear is what makes us respond and, and swerve out of the way of the semi-truck. But fear placed in the face of our neighbor, in the face of our coworker, in the face of a family member is fear outside of the bonfire. And so I'm trying to help average Jesus followers start to pay attention to how quickly they move towards this is a danger, this is threatening, this is, uh, this is a major concern and slow down their amygdala and start to move toward the other part of their brain that's responsible for empathy and compassion and active listening and care. Those things are actually harder to tap into when you're so obedient to your uh, fear base, your amygdala. That's Dan White talking about his book, Love Over Fear. And to request this resource and make your donation of any amount, just go to boldstepsradio.org and ask for Dan's book. Or call us at 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. Or send your gift through the mail. Our address is Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And if you want to make a long-lasting impact with your giving, consider becoming a Bold Partner and sign up to give on a monthly basis. When you sign up to give $30 a month or more, you'll also get the Moody Publishers discount code of 50%. That means you'll get half off every devotional, Bible study, and kids book at the Moody Publishers website. So take your next bold step today. Sign up to become a bold partner at boldstepsradio.org or call 844-615-7363. Well, coming your way tomorrow, it's not over yet. We're all in a race, and I hope you'll be able to join us next time for this encouraging message. Now from Mark Job. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.